Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. So welcome to another episode of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast this week. I am so excited. We are going to be speaking with Dr. Janine Kraus. Um, But before I get into a bit more information on Dr. Kraus, I wanted to mention that I recently was on another podcast called Average Anxiety, and it's available on all of the major podcast platforms. And my episode is called Sarah the Superhero. And I really enjoyed it because I got to kind of give a full story of um, some of my struggles with anxiety as well as some of the issues in being a, a mom to a child with pandas as well as a food allergy mom. And so we really get into whole bunch of things related to anxiety and more. So again, my episode is called Sarah the Superhero and it's on the Average Anxiety Podcast. So this week, I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Janine Krause. I first heard about Dr. Janine Krause on the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast and I just loved her take on health for women, things that we should be watching, natural health, working with Chinese medicine and her overall holistic approach, as well as her focus on acupuncture. And so I reached out to her and am so grateful that she decided to join us this week on the podcast. She graduated from Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington in 2007 and has practiced in Chicago, Illinois, Breckenridge, Colorado, and now in Tacoma and Renton, Washington. She is a naturopathic doctor, an acupuncturist, and a podcaster. She is the host of the Health Fix podcast. So Dr. Janine Krauss is a naturopathic doctor that mixes traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture with functional medicine to create custom treatments for her clients. We're going to learn all about some of the treatments and techniques that she follows. And she is the owner of Q Vitality Studio in Washington and a blogger, as well as, as I already mentioned, the host of the Health Fix podcast. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We get into talking about stress, anxiety, digestive issues. Uh, She touches on fertility as well as hormones and of course diving into acupuncture. So enjoy this episode with Dr. Janine Krause. So welcome Dr. Janine Krause to the podcast. I'm so happy to connect with you today. Well thank you for having me on. Yeah, that's great. So why don't we start with you providing a bit about your background and how you became a naturopathic doctor? Sure. Yeah, so it's kind of an unconventional story. I was, well, let's put it this way. My mom was, my mom had cancer and she was going back and forth to naturopathic doctor visits and to acupuncture visits. And I was 15 at the time and had a learner's permit for driving. And I really just wanted to drive. So (laughs) I was like, I'll take you to every single appointment, mom. I got this. Never had any inkling in my mind because at this point I wanted to be a pro snowboarder when I grew up. So, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a pro snowboarder, but mom, I will take you to all these appointments. And, and, you know, I got you here. And so (laughs) I went with her to all these appointments and her acupuncturist was the one that was just like, 
hey, I see you're interested because he noticed a couple times he'd come in the room and I was kind of looking at the needles trying to see what what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you want to learn a little more? And I'm like, yes. And so he, he just took me into his wing and took me to different rooms with patients and was like, this is my assistant. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and was telling me all about the needles and how it works in the body. And, and I was seeing how people would come in and just look just really tired and, and exhausted and worn out and then leave looking like they were like floating on a cloud. And I was like, this is amazing. Who, who, what kind of drugs or what's going on in these needles? Like, what do you, would you dip them things in? And it just turned out it was, it was just the needles, but it gave me such a foundation for like, wow, there's other things than just straight up medications. And at that point in my life, I'd seen quite a bit of the medical world because my mom was a nurse. So I would hang out with her in the back of the office when she was working with this primary care doc as, as I was a kiddo. So it was kind of cool because I kind of had that aspect and understood what conventional medicine looked like, but I had no idea what Chinese medicine and acupuncture nor naturopathic medicine looked like. Because when I went to the naturopath's office, I usually wasn't going in, but after I started really getting into the acupuncture, I said, well, I'm going to go into the office with you. I want to see what these people do in there. You know, why you're, why you're eating differently and why you're taking, you know, certain herbs. And, and I found it extremely interesting that there was just so much in the toolbox to, to be able to give patients that I thought, you know, I, I like this. I like this. So I kind of, you know, kept it in my mind, but I also still had it that I wanted to be a doctor of some sort. So I went down the route of pre-med in, in college. I also had dabbled in thinking that still I might be a pro snowboarder. No, (laughs) that was one of my like pipe dreams, but really I I wanted to consider something in the ski industry. So I was kind of in this two, two fold like decision. Like, am I go towards ski management, you know, something in, in, in that kind of industry hospitality, or was I gonna, you know, actually pull the trigger on this doctor thing. And then at the same time, I also was fascinated with Spanish language. So I, so I have a degree in Spanish. So anyway, long story short, what ended up happening is I went to Mexico and I did a year in Mexico in terms of like an internship. Our school had a, an exchange-ish sort of program. And I was introduced to a fabulous gal who was a, they call him a Bruja Blanca, which is, was a white witch, which is more or less a natural medicine kind of doctor in, in Mexico. And she had to have been probably like 105 at that time. Um, but she, she was impressive. And she just changed my mind about going back to that. There's so many things in the toolbox. So I went home and decided, you know what? I'm going to take the MCAT. I'm going to apply to regular conventional medical school, but it's not, I don't know. I, you know, it's just not in me. So last, last, but you know, draw was like, my mom just sat me down and was like, I know that you want to be a, a doctor because of all the things you've seen your, th- your whole life. And we're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to impress us, but really, you know, if you want to be a naturopath and you want to be an acupuncturist, we'll support you. And, and I said, you know what? Yeah, I do. So there, that's how I became a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist and uh, never looked back. Wow. That's amazing. And it's funny. I had been speaking with my son. So he has um, a disorder called PANDAS. It's like an mm-hmm. auto neuroimmune disorder. 
Yeah. And he's went to tons of different practitioners. And last week, I kind of said that to him. I said, you know, you never know. You've been to see all of these different alternative practitioners. One day, you may decide to do something like this. And you're kind of, in a way, lucky, you know, if you want to look at it in a positive way, that you've been exposed to all of these different careers so early. So it was uh, kind of interesting to hear that that's, in a way, what happened with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you never know like what, you know, what your, your children are going to, you know, take and, and really hold dear, near and dear to their hearts. So you never know. And, and actually a lot of people in my naturopathic medicine program were in there because they had either a family member or childhood illness or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. So you never know, Sarah, it might happen. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so I myself go to a naturopath, as does he, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I've went for about 20 years off and on for different things. So right now I'm going more for anxiety, stress, hormone health is a big kind of mm -hmm. new thing uh, for me. And then I, I have an autoimmune condition as well. So I wondered, what are some of the key conditions and issues that you see coming up a lot in your practice? And then also, has it changed at all with COVID? Yeah, yeah. So typically, 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 I am seeing folks with digestive disorders or digestive issues. Fatigue is always a big one. Like you mentioned, hormones. Absolutely. Hormones are, are a big factor. Those are kind of my three biggies. And then we okay. kind of fall into insomnia, anxiety, stress, things of that nature. And since COVID, it's really the stress anxiety, insomnia, frustration, all of that has kind of come to the forefront. So my practice is really in the last, I would say, year and a half, taking a turn more towards, okay, stress management, how do we help folks manage in these new times and, and with all the changes and things of that nature. So yeah, it's it's definitely changed a little bit, for sure. Yeah, and I'm located in Canada, and we've had mm -hmm. tons um, of the kind of COVID shutdown periods. So I wondered, what are some of the biggest tips that you're giving for people when they've been struggling during that time, either with their mental, mental or physical health, um, and maybe seeing things like weight gain, or as you mentioned, anxiety, stress, maybe even depression from kind of being lonely? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the number one things because with COVID, a lot of the shutdowns, a lot of folks are working from home and it's a new dynamic because we're like, okay, so now I don't leave. The, the brain doesn't have that separation between home and work. So right. I was working a lot and, and still am with routines and getting outside of the house, getting out in the morning for first morning light, even if it's raining, just getting out there, sit on the porch, you know, get your raincoat on five minutes, something to like tell the body like, hey, it's morning. We're going to get out of this this box that we live in and we're just going to just connect a little with nature and then taking breaks during the day and like really hammering on yourself to take the break. Because if you don't escape from the work situation, it just keeps, you know, the stressors keep compounding and your brain just doesn't get a moment to chill. Then the next thing was also a, an evening wind down routine to be able to tell your body like, hey, work's over we're going to separate from this place and you go outside. If you can get your feet in the grass, your feet in the sand, something to kind of ground you, stick your feet in some water. If you live nearby a stream or lake or sound like I do here in the Pacific Northwest, but something of that nature so that you can have that like hard stop on work so that your brain knew the difference. And then 
a lot of the other tips that I had is really working with yourself on what's going on within the home and structure and looking at stress triggers. And one of the big things that I found for a lot of people and and females in particular with COVID was a lot of stress eating and a lot of like taking laps through the kitchen and eating, just boredom eating. And so we had to work a lot on what was being brought into the house. What were you shopping for? But also taking a really hard look at once again, going back to those stress triggers, journaling and becoming very aware of what happens to your brain when, when, and, and what thought processes you have when you're triggered by a certain stressor. So this year, I think was like the, or year and a half was like the year of awareness for folks in, in my office. And my tips really kind of went down to get to know yourself better, know where you self-sabotage, know where you're a rock star, and and let's dial that in. That's kind of like my big thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree. It's totally been a time where I felt like I've gotten to see things more clearly about myself. Um, and I like this wind down idea, the the kind of grounding in nature, that's kind of different as well. I got a dog during this time, um, a puppy initially. And so that actually has been helpful in terms of finding some of that routine, right? Because the dog has to be walked several times a day um, and and so helps getting outside too. But definitely those make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess more generally, even what are some of your biggest recommendations when people come in and they're wanting to hit like a health goal? And so maybe it's weight loss or maybe it's just like overall, I don't feel well. So mm-hmm. are you kind of starting similarly with some of these techniques that you mentioned about journaling or or how does it really start the process for somebody? Yeah, in my office. So let's put it this way. I've, I've evolved as, as everyone does over time. I used to just be like, all right, here's all the treatment plan. We're going to do X, Y, and Z based on whatever someone was coming in for. And I found that a lot of people would struggle with, with consistency in, in taking care of themselves. So eating healthy or they would have trouble with, for example, just, just being able to take supplements or being able to take herbs. And by the way, I'm not a huge supplement pusher. So this is sounding like I'm like, yeah, you have to take your supplements. Well, it's, it's not only that it's also carrying out certain habits and, and lifestyle formation kind of things. So I found that if I didn't go to the basics, the other things couldn't happen. And so, yes, typically when someone comes into my office, I'm going to talk lifestyle to them and I'm going to be like to them. That's not them. That doesn't sound right. I'm going to talk myself, you know, first. And and we're going to figure out like, okay, where in life are we are hanging up? Because if we look at most chronic conditions that we have, whether it's fatigue, whether it's digestive disorders, whether it's anxiety, there's a lot of root in how we manage stress and how we manage our emotions and, and our day-to-day life. Organization is one of them, but also how we have thoughts about ourselves and, and, and how we interact with the world. So we have to have to start at getting to know ourselves. Awareness is like number one. I have everyone looking at, you know, if you don't want to do a journal, we're doing notes on, on the phone where you're just talking to the phone or wherever it may be, but really starting to realize a lot about how we are in control of our health. And how we can take the steps that we need to to help to balance things out. And and really, 
I mean, it's, it sounds kind of crazy. And I know a lot of people look at this and they go, no doc, just fix me. That's not it. You have everything inside you to be able to keep your body in balance. Even if you do have an autoimmune disorder, even if you do have chronic illness, there are ways to look at it and go, okay, what can I do to make every single day better? And, and we have to start with awareness of what's going on in the lifestyle right now that's not helping. So we look at awareness in terms of what's not helping, what's helping. And we look at, is there a routine? I found that with COVID, that was the biggest thing that shifted everybody. Everyone's routine was completely thrown off. So when we do have routine changes, we have to create something that works for us. And a lot of times we're just kind of floundering and and trying to make a routine work that maybe necessarily isn't. So the tips kind of go back to awareness, but also looking at, are you taking breaks? Are you taking time for yourself? Do you take time to literally sit down and do nothing? And just maybe stare at the wall, which sounds crazy, but it's it's really something to calm the body down because most of us are are doing things too fast, too hard, to you know, just overloading ourselves. So I look at awareness, I look at taking breaks, and then I look at nutrition. A lot of these really basic things, we're, we're kind of like plants. We need air, we need food, we need water. And a lot of times, those are three things that people are not getting. And when I say air, it's also sunlight because we have a, been been basically told we have to lather ourselves with you know sunblock and don't be out in the sun too long. And so it's turned into a lot of folks not getting out as they should. And then, you know, we've got video games and other things. I won't go into that. But it's really, it's really the basics that we need to be looking at first, then add on protocols, then add on the different types of therapies and, and go from there. Because I can give someone the best acupuncture treatment ever, but if they leave the acupuncture treatment and they go right back into a stressful meeting or something of that nature, it's going to undo everything. So the concept's kind of keeping like, what can we do to sustain health? We got to go back to the basics because the fo- if the foundation's there, we can't do anything else. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm one of those people that has a hard time taking those breaks for sure. So <laughs> I can definitely see that that is helpful, though. Oh, my gosh, it's um, taking time for me to even do it myself. You know, I, I I practice what I preach because it's an it's incredibly important. But it did take me. I mean, I'm I'm getting towards being in practice 14 ish years now. And it took me probably a good seven or eight before I realized that. I wasn't the perfect model of health either. And I had to get things dialed in because how am I ever going to help anyone if I don't have things dialed in first? Yeah, that makes sense. And and then it gives you those tips about how to actually do it when you're busy too, because you were yeah. busy. And, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's like the weirdest thing. You're like, I need to slow down and be more productive. What? That makes yeah. no sense. Like there's no way this is happening. But as I practiced it and as I tried, I was like, oh my gosh, I am more productive because I can actually think and my brain's not looping. And so it 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 takes a little bit of convincing. And if you're type A and and you're super driven, it's it's at first it's like this is this is silly. This is ridiculous. But you no, know, it it and and you know, like I'm being lazy right now. It's it's not. It's it's incredibly it's incredible once you once you get it down. 
No, that sounds great. And so you mentioned sunlight as well. It's one of the mm -hmm. things that I've been trying because, yeah, mm -hmm. I was definitely somebody that was always the sunscreen always. And so how much do we need? Because then I know you can probably, you know, tip the sails the other way where it's, yeah, for sure. um, you know, too much and it becomes yeah. harmful. But is it like maybe that first morning time when you're out? Um, is that yeah. the best to get it? Yes, yes. The first morning, 10, 15 minutes with your face and, and forearms. And obviously, you know, in the middle of winter, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to have someone go out and get frostbite um, because of that. But the idea is 10 to 15 minutes with the face and forearms in the sun. And and it doesn't have to be direct sunlight. You could be walking. You could be in a shade situation where you're still getting the sunlight, but filtered. It's and and I don't want anyone going out like between 12 and 3. I mean, that's your peak sunlight hour where, yes, there's chances for burn. And if you're extremely fair, you know, fair skinned, it's 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 morning time is one of the best times. Evening time can be as well where we're looking like where the sun's starting to set, depending on where you are. You know, it can be anywhere from 8 p.m., 6 to 8 p.m., depending on the time of the year. But getting in that sun setting phase, too, can be a great time for the body to have that exposure. The thing is, is if you get it in the morning, it's helping with circadian rhythms to tell your brain that, like, hey, we're waking up, we're getting going for the day. And so I think the morning would be the ideal. But if someone's just having trouble getting up and going in the morning, sometimes the evening would be just as good. Just check and see what happens with your sleep. You just have to go out, go out that time. And, and then when you go into the house, then dim the lights so that you're, you're really telling your brain that, okay, we're going to wind down now. Okay, that makes sense. And then, you know, you mentioned kind of food and looking at diet. Is there mm -hmm. like a specific way that you typically coach patients to be moving towards eating wise? Or is it really dependent on on them? You know, it's depending on certain conditions. Obviously, if someone is celiac, we're going to be like no gluten, you know, those things of that nature. But really, my my foundational thoughts on food is really closest to nature minimal chemicals if you can do non-gmo if you can grow your own food where that way you know what's in the soil you know you know what you've put on that food how you fertilize the ground in in a and in, in you've done it all in a natural way i mean i think that's the best way to do things if you can do that container gardening you know even if you live in an apartment you can pull this off everywhere i've lived i probably look like the crazy plant lady but it's definitely something that can be pulled off so what I'm getting at is just rethinking food. A lot of folks go for convenience because it's easy. I get it. But if if convenience is your factor, frozen veggies aren't the end of the world. Do they taste like fresh veggies? Heck no. But they're frozen most of the time flash in the field. And so we've got some nutrients in there if we're looking convenience. But overall, food that comes in a bag that is not in its natural form you're looking at processing to that food and any form of processing to the food takes it from its natural state to something different. And that's going to be hard on your digestive system to figure out because we're still genetically cave people. And so the, the meats, the fish, the poultry, those kind of things, our body knows what to do with same with nuts, seeds and, and veggies and, and fruits. But the big thing to think about too, with nuts and seeds for us is that the sprouted versions are easier to digest. 
Same thing with general sprouts. Sprouts have a lot of nutrition in them and they're incredible little packets of power for us to help with energy and detox and all kinds of things. So I challenge folks that might be listening to this to think about their food as their medicine and that would you put potato chips in as medicine versus putting something in like zucchini and tomatoes and a nice little, you know, saute. Now, obviously someone might be thinking tomatoes. Well, I have arthritis. Okay. Within the parameters of, of what works for you. So what I really do in my office is first and foremost, we get things down to closest to nature. Then from there we go, okay, do grains bother you? All right. Maybe we, we adjust the grains. Maybe we sprout them. Maybe we pressure cook them so they're easier to digest, or maybe we just leave them out because they suck for your digestive system. Pardon, pardon my language there, but sometimes yeah. those things happen, you know, so yeah. we think we, we kind of take it from there. So am I an elimination diet kind of person where I'll have people, you know, try things and then pull things out? Yeah. Sometimes I'll do that. I think a lot of us know just off the bat, what foods just don't feel good. So going back to my concept of journaling and awareness, I do have folks go through a whole thing on awareness about food and awareness of what flavors you like, awareness of do you need crunch, you know, just some nitty gritty details, really get honest with yourself about what flavors you like, what things you do and you don't like. And then we start to go, okay, what can we do naturally, you know, in terms of the closest to nature foods to help you to get your taste buds happy, but also help to fortify your diet and, and keep things in check. I, I'm not a believer in, in full on keto diet. I'm not a paleo. I'm not, I don't subscribe to any of these label diets. I think we all have individual preferences and we all have individual intricacies within our gut based on how much we've beat up our gut over the years or what's going on genetically as well. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And yeah, similarly, like I can see, um, advantages to some of those diets, but yeah, not, mm. um, I'm not following one in particular, but I like that idea of kind of figuring out what it is maybe that you're craving or feeling mm -hmm. like is missing and then trying to find, you know, the more natural substitute. That sounds really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of folks. I mean, I don't know if you found this even with your son. I, I used to teach cooking classes with parents and kiddos when I lived in Colorado. And what I found there is that kids had, you know, texture stuff, right? To like, mm -hmm. I don't like mushy stuff. I like this though. I like crunchy, you know, and really adults, same way. A lot of times people will be like, I quit my diet because I just needed something crunchy. And I'm like, well, jicama's crunchy. Sugar snap peas are crunchy, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of looking at your texture and taste because it's, it's fascinating how we take those concepts from, from when we're younger and we know what junk foods have what consistencies and flavors and we'll go for that because it's either a stress eating food or it's something that was a comfort food. So it's fascinating to really get the awareness on yourself and go, oh, look at me. That's what I really want. Okay. I can add something closest to nature into the diet and get that fixed and I'm fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I guess similarly with sugar. So if you're craving sugar, you know, you could have like a more natural kind of replacement, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to look at fruit. I'm also going to have people looking at, you know, natural dried fruit. And, and I don't know why I'm like using the word natural this morning. I actually despise <laughs> the word because it, it can mean so many things like natural plastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> but fruit that's, you know, legit fruit. And, and some, some patients of mine love dried fruit and I'm like, okay, yes, it's been touted as candy, but really if you have a dehydrator at home, yeah. you dehydrate the fruit yourself. It's amazing. 
little packets of energy that you can take with you. And, and so I start to look at, okay, if someone has a sugar craving, obviously we know that we're looking at, we need to work on stress. We need to work on lifestyle stuff. We need to work on what's going on with their insulin levels and insulin resistance. But on a fundamental level, what fruits do they gravitate towards? What can we do to help with that and, and help on, on that level? And also looking at like, all right, what, when is it, you know, what time of day is that sugar craving happening? Because there's a lot of, a lot of kickers to that in terms of when it shows up. And it's usually for a lot of folks after we've had a stressful day and we're starting to crash. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, maybe we need to work on meal timing. Maybe we need to work on our breaks too. So it's, it's sugar cravings are fun to, to tease out, but I am not opposed to people eating fruit. I don't want someone to become a fruititarian. Um, we need variety, but I do think that there's nothing wrong with dried fruit if you make it yourself or if you're getting stuff that is straight up just dried fruit. There's no added sugar. There's no added sulfates. There's there's nothing added as a preservative. I have no problem with that. I think that, you know, you can do that in moderation like anything else and and get that sweet fix where you're not, you know, I, I think too many people are restricting fruits, which because it's been told like, oh, you're, you know, that fructose is terrible. You're going to have diabetes. Yeah. Some people are affected by that, but I think on a fun foundational level, a lot of us do need a little bit of sweet because it's carbs for energy. Mm-hmm. And lots of different mm-hmm. vitamins and stuff too. Right? Uh, yeah. Antioxidants. I mean, there's, there's, you know, so many things in, in fruits that, that we're missing out when, you know, we're not eating them because we think that just we're just thinking one level on that fructose we're not thinking about like you said the antioxidants the fiber you know mm-hmm. all these great things out of the fruit yeah that makes a lot of sense and i've went through that as well where i've been like i'm gonna take fruits completely out and then after a while yeah you just sort of feel like oh no i'm i feel depleted i feel like i need something yeah so- why don't we get into acupuncture a little bit more? So I've had acupuncture done. I really loved it. Um, I was doing it for stress. So I was kind of getting, you know, some right in the middle of my forehead and then also digestion and a whole bunch of different spots. And yeah, I can totally identify with that sort of relaxed, high feeling after. Um, I really felt like it was like, the best break I'd had all week kind of thing when I would get it done. So maybe you dig in a little bit more about how it actually works for those people who haven't tried it and are maybe, you know, leery or interested. Sure, sure. Yeah, the biggest question I get from folks that are leery, they're like, are you putting energy in me? Is it energy work? And it's not. It's actually the needle, the needles are stainless steel. They're completely solid. There's nothing that they've, they've not been tipped with anything. There's not any, um, any meds on them. Cause like I thought when I was a kid, cause I was like, these people look AccuStone, like what is going on here? Um, and that is my, my lovely term for it is AccuStone. I love, I love that. I love that feeling myself, but I love watching someone go from being stressed out to being so chill after an appointment, but there's nothing that I'm putting into your body. Actually, what I'm doing is taking these needles, which are solid stainless steel needles. We're putting them into points that the Chinese have determined over 5,000 plus years that they work for certain conditions or certain imbalances. And you have over, you have over 600 acupuncture points in your body. And it's amazing what we can do and how they correlate. And there's multiple different styles of acupuncture. There's Japanese, there's Korean, there's Vietnamese, 
there's Taiwanese, there's, there's very different maps and models, if you will, of points too, based on where the acupuncture, you know, basis came from. So I kind of take a, a, I like Korean hand and foot acupuncture. I use scalp acupuncture. I use some of the Japanese styles of acupuncture. So I kind of blend a whole bunch of stuff into my practice. But at the foundation of it is you're taking a needle, you're putting it into either the skin or the muscle. And muscle would be if you are working on muscles for that matter. And you're going to have a reaction, right? You stick a needle into someone's body. It's like a little wound. Now, don't be panicking, folks, that that's a wound. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're creating damage. No, it's just getting awareness of the body. And at the foundation of acupuncture, a needle goes in and we enhance circulation in the area that we put the needle. So if you have pain, we are literally going to flush in a bunch of good blood. So your blood's going to come in and it's going to move those inflammatory proteins that are stuck there that have triggered that pain sensation. And it's going to replace them with good nutrients to try to help to heal that area. And then we will also have some inflammatory proteins come back in and just, it's kind of like a flush. We're going to create that response. And then we're also going to bring in some endorphins. And the endorphins are where that AccuStone kind of high feeling comes in. And those endorphins are great because they also help us to get into parasympathetic nervous system, which is our chill mode. It's mm-hmm. it's considered the rest of the digest chill mode. And in this case, this is where you start to feel that like, ah, either I'm sinking into the table, I'm starting to float a little bit above the table. And this kind of stuff is not, it's not energy work. It's your body doing this. So really what I see acupuncture has is it's a tool for me to help your body reorganize its day and fix it, you know, fix itself really. And, and get its balance back. Now, a lot of people will be like, okay, chi, what, what the heck is this chi business? Chi fundamentally is your own blood and your messenger signals in your blood moving. And we can feel chi moving because it has ions in it. Your red blood cells have a charge to them. So does like magnesium, sodium, potassium, all that floats around in your blood. And it also floats around between your cells in your extracellular space. So what happens when we put multiple needles into the body is they actually will have blood flowing between them, just like a highway of cars moving between one checkpoint and another. So I like to think of it as, as, as a toll booth kind of system. We've got one toll booth there where we put the needle in, we got another one in, and they communicate with each other. So based on whatever's going on with you, let's let's take digestion for, for an example. If we're working on the digestive system, the Chinese system has the spleen channel, the stomach channel. We also have the liver and gallbladder channel that we can work with specifically on digestion. Now we can use other channels to help balance certain things because we're really looking at what is the root cause of why you have digestive issues? So how do we determine that before we even put the needles in? We're looking at your pulses on either side of your wrist. So on your thumb side of your wrist, there's three pulses on your left side and three pulses on your right side that we're looking at. And so we put our hands right there and we're looking left side is heart, liver, kidney. And then the right side is lung, digestive system, kidney to that side. And so we're looking at upper, middle, lower half of the body balance there to determine what points we're going to use. And then we're going to have you stick your tongue out at us, which is always fun. And we get to see what your front part of your tongue looks like, the middle part of your tongue, and your back part of your tongue, as well as the sides of your tongue. And we're looking at color. We're looking at how big is your tongue. I have a big fat tongue and I'm 
totally own it. It's a, it's a genetic for my family. We have big tongues, but we also have a lot of something called dampness, which is basically we suck at detox and our mm-hmm. fluid stays in our body. And so we need some help. And so I use acupuncture for that quite a bit, but that ties into the digestive system because the digestive system is one of our ways to detox. So after I look at pulses and tongues, I'm then going to make a decision on what kind of acupuncture points I'm going to use. And so in digestive system, yes, we might put some in your belly, but we might also put some in your ankle or your like forearm or your shin area because the channels all help us to correlate. They, they kind of correlate together or they, they work together in unison to help move blood flow throughout the body. So you're never going to get, I mean, let's put it this way. There are some folks that use one or two points, but in my office, you're never going to get just one or two points. You might get maybe 10, 15, 20. I I am a little bit, I've known Olivia is a little bit of a heavy needler, but I do that if I'm looking at trying to work on pain a little bit more. If I'm working on the digestive system, I'm around 20 needles in a session. And then you lay there and you get to relax for 20 to, to 45 minutes based on how depleted you are. If you're very depleted and your digestive system's very weak, I'm not going to leave the needles in very long because if we leave them too long, you're going to be tired because your body's working hard to get that circulation going through it. So I, I love it for digestive stuff, but I also do love it for stress because the one component, like you were saying, you lay down on the table, you're relaxing. It's the only time that I can get a lot of adults to do nothing for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I love I love the gift of acupuncture to slow folks down. And so those of you that are listening that maybe have never had acupuncture and you're like, well, how the heck does it even work for for calming us down? There are points specific to help induce endorphin flow within the body and enhance circulation. The Chinese believe if we are not moving our circulation well, we're stuck, right? And a lot of times when we're stressed, we feel super stuck. And in this case, what we do with the needles is we help you become unstuck because we're going to help you move circulation better. And the better we move circulation, the more we're tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system and the more that we're getting a release of endorphins. And so while you're lying on the table, you can feel kind of floaty. You can feel super relaxed, like you're melting into the table. You might even feel kind of numb or you might feel a little bit of ants crawling sensation. And that's literally your ions moving within your body. So we've done, we've not put any energy in you. We didn't take any energy out of you. It's all your own body. And the coolest part about it is we're just giving your body a little nudge to be like, Hey, bounce this out a little bit. And then you go on with your day. Amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It's very cool. And I feel like I waited almost too long in life to start it. So it's, it's very, very neat. Um, so yeah, we mentioned kind of stress, anxiety, digestion. Is there anything else that it's particularly effective for um, like hormone health is, yeah. is it helpful for that? Absolutely. Yeah, I have, we, we have multiple protocols for whatever someone might be experiencing within the realm of perimenopause, menopause, PMS. I, I love it for PMS. I love it for fertility as well. I'm, I'm on a roll right now. I don't, I have to just mention that. I'm so happy um, with fertility. I, I am like three for three right now in my office this year. I, I don't have a oh, fertility based wow. practice. You know, folks who have a fertility based practice would be, you know, much higher of, of levels of success right there. Because one of the things about fertility is a lot of times our bodies 
don't feel comfortable enough to get pregnant. It's almost like we're, we're too stressed to become pregnant and blood flow isn't working to get to the uterus because when we're stressed, our, our body's going to keep our blood in our arms and legs because we need to run away from a bear at any given time. You know, even though you might not even live remotely close to where bears live, your body still thinks they're there. Yeah. And so we we will tend to put the the blood everywhere but the uterus. So anyway, with with fertility, it's it's great for that because it just helps to soothe things out and and help folks along. And along with IVF, you know, if you're doing IVF or any um, fertilization types of therapies or anything to help your body, you know, to get pregnant acupuncture is a great, great added, added tool. So fertility would be one of my big ones that I would talk about. I would also say, I mean, pain, acupuncture is incredible for pain, muscular, skeletal, you know, it's not going to repair a torn tendon, ligament, sprain, strain, but it can help quite a bit with the pain that comes along with that joint pain, arthritis, also incredible things that acupuncture can, can just be amazing for headaches, migraines. I do a lot of, of period migraine. So hormonal migraine treatments. I do a lot in my office with that. And I, I can't say enough about it in, in that case. So pretty much anything you can think of in terms of fatigue, you know, stress, anxiety, all those things, we typically have protocols in acupuncture. And one of the other things that I think is under, under mentioned in in my industry is the help for neurological conditions. So a lot of times if we have numbness, tingling, post-stroke, if you can get someone in for acupuncture two weeks after a stroke, you can see a heck of a lot of changes. I absolutely love doing acupuncture when someone's had a stroke and then watching the changes happen. And it's Oh, it's fascinating. And so anything like that, paralysis, post-surgical paralysis, acupuncture can help with that. Um, Another biggie is scars. When someone has had a scar from a C-section, it can be rather numb or even tingly, and acupuncture can help settle that out and and really bring things back to to connectivity there so basically by getting circulation going again where the scar is at so if you have a new scar because of a surgery or anything acupuncture around that scar can help incredibly and even older scars too i had a scar on my leg from a bmx incident when i was in my teens and i did not feel my shin for 10 years. And while I was in acupuncture and naturopathic medicine school, we worked on it with needles and we worked on it with some B12 and lidocaine injections. And I I have all my feeling back in my lower leg and it was 10 years after. So I really, I really do like to treat scars that are problematic or numb areas that you're like, I have no idea why this is numb. I, I, you know, I had an injury there years ago. Can you fix it? We at least can try. So that would be like more like obscure way. So I wanted to mention that because I don't talk about it a lot for neurological kinds of conditions, but I do absolutely love acupuncture for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. No, neat. That's definitely a huge, huge range of things that it can be mm-hmm. helpful for. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I recently turned 40 and I'm kind of noticing that I was struggling more with hormonal issues and I had some blood work done through a naturopath and, you know, things came up like high estrogen and low cortisol and my thyroid uh, was kind of off, I guess, in terms of the ratios. So I just wondered if you can explain why it's so important that we should be aware of our hormone levels and what we can be doing, you know, particularly for healthy hormones. Okay. Well, Sarah, welcome to the forties. Yeah. Done, girl. This is this is this is a fun time in life. I am okay. thirty-three, and I, I I love it. It's fun. It's fun, and yes, hormones are definitely a big issue at this time time um, of life. So having having your hormones looked at when you're you're getting towards your forties or when you're into your forties is huge because it gives you just a big sense of where are you at. And I really love it when, when females will do this right around when, when they're noticing, like, I still have my period, but maybe my period's changing or I'm feeling kind of, you know, am I getting some perimenopausal symptoms? What's going on? I love the, the idea of checking things before we head into menopause, because the better we are set at going into menopause, the better the menopause is going to be because really menopause symptoms are actually not normal. We should just blow right into it and have no symptoms. The hot flashes, the mood stuff, all of that really isn't supposed to happen. And the reason we have it is because we're living stressful lives and we're not taking time to take care of ourselves to keep our hormones in check. And hormones literally will go off the rails when we've pushed ourselves to the limits with being stressed. So having high cortisol, I'm sorry, having high estrogens and low cortisol, that's not, that's very, very common. I myself, when I checked about three years ago, when I was going through a really stressful time in my life, I've had the same thing going on. I was extremely stuck in estrogen excess. And a lot of folks, what happens in this case, when we get stuck in estrogen excess, it's because of how our body is literally not great at detoxing off of estrogen. So we're making all of these hormones because we're stressed and the body's like, we need more hormones to get through the day. And what happens is those estrogens just build up. We can't get them through the liver. We can't get them out through the gut. So this is key stuff to know about yourself because if the estrogens are, estrogens are building, we want to help the body to remove them effectively because what's going to build up is estrone, which is your inflammatory estrogen. And this is what's linked to breast cancer. It's linked to gut issues. It's linked to obesity. It's got a lot of inflammation tied to it. So this could be something that if we can lower that heading into menopause, we can feel so much better. So working on your liver health, working on gut health, there are herbs that move and foods that move the estrogens out of the body effectively. It's the cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli family, and it's beets, it's carrots. It's also looking at artichoke, things of that nature to help pull dandelion leaf, dandelion root to pull things out of the liver. And then the gut is fiber you can use something called calcium deglucrate. It's a supplement that pulls extra estrogens out of the gut because we do recycle estrogens back into our system from our colon. So calcium deglucrate can help on that level. It does not help raise your calcium levels though. Bummer. But it does, <laughs> it does pull because it's literally like using the calcium to grab the estrogens and then pull it out through the stool. But those are, that's one way to help with the extra estrogens. And then we're looking at 
you know, are we drinking? Because a lot of times for some reason in that switch between like 30 to 35, I've seen a lot of ladies develop a habit of wine drinking and Mm -hmm. alcohol increases your amount of estrogens that float around in your system. And so why? Because I'm suspecting it has to do with blocking down the liver and a couple other, you know, processes in the body. So really taking an inventory of how's that wine habit doing for you. Um, And then looking at any other, chemical exposures that you might have because estrogens can come with dry cleaning. They can come with plastics, putting food in plastics, things of that nature. So really looking at where is your exposure there. Now, cortisol, like low cortisol, we're looking at someone who has you, you've pushed yourself to the limits, you know, having, having a kiddo with pandas, I mean, pandas, is an, a complex condition and and I can't imagine what you guys have been through together as a family unit with that it's a lot and so I can see where the cortisol would be be dropped I mean this is just a sign when our cortisol levels deplete it's it's a sign that we've pushed ourselves to the limits and we need to take a, a little break and it's not uncommon for me to see ladies in their 40s having low cortisol I see the high cortisol during the the early mid 30s and then by the time we get to 40 it's down and I myself, tanked my cortisol as well three years ago I was in in the tank it looked like I I might have flatlined there so it's not uncommon for this to happen as we're headed towards 40 and beyond so what do we do to protect the cortisol we literally have to work on our stress management we have to put ourselves first we have to take care of ourselves this is back to my breaks and awareness and stress management stuff it's it's huge the better you are at managing stress going into menopause the better that menopause is going to be for you so looking at that and then progesterone is another biggie that we totally want to look at because progesterone helps us with anxiety but it helps us to sleep and a lot of times insomnia starts to become a problem even in the early 30s, and if it continues into the 40s and beyond, now we're ha- going to have some some difficulties with menopause. So dialing in that sleep, if you don't have an aura ring, and it's going to sound like a plug for aura ring, and maybe it is, it's it's saved it saved a lot of my <laughs> myself and my patients' lives for really understanding what's truly happening with their sleep. Because until you have data on that, you have no idea, and you can fool yourself into thinking I went to bed at 1030 and I got up at 730 and I slept great. So point being here with your question is just that it, it, heading into menopause and, and in your 40s, I highly recommend anyone actually 30 and above to start checking your hormone levels on a regular basis to know where you're at, because it's the one way you can gauge if you're not great at connecting with yourself is a one way you can gauge like where am I at and how healthy am I right now? Mm-hmm. And would you say kind of like every year? Is that the best time or? Yeah, yeah. No. I actually, you know, part of your annual type of, of labs and looking at the thyroid too, because the thyroid and the adrenal glands, so your adrenal glands are what are in charge of your cortisol levels. The thyroid and adrenals, they go hand in hand. If the thyroid is having trouble, that means your adrenals first and foremost are struggling. And then the thyroid, you got to look at the thyroid after that. And the thyroid, if it's starting to slow down, I mean, this is a huge thing because let's face it, a lot of women start to gain weight, you know, mm-hmm. at, into the 40s. And, and, and this is where you want to head it off because you don't want to get into your 50s and then be like, I can't lose weight. You know, it, it's because it, it's harder. It is truly harder. So you do want to look at these levels annually. So, you know, like, where am I in, in this, in the scheme of things and work to, to balance it back out, whether you need some herbs to help with thyroid and adrenal support or whether you're looking at stress management, which is I'm going to always start with that first 
And, and you'll be surprised how many um, folks will change by just looking at the stress management side of things. No, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. You know, you've shared so much great info with us today. This is amazing and very helpful, I think, giving listeners um, such a background in, in all of these health techniques. So are there any other tools or advice, I guess, that you want to mention to listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is just a summary for folks. Really, the more you know about yourself, the more you're going to really be able to take care of yourself effectively. Awareness is key and dialing in the stress. I can't put it out enough because when I can get folks to really focus on the stress management, a lot of the other symptoms that they have on a regular basis start to fall away. And I'm big on this because I didn't put enough effort myself earlier in my career. So I didn't emphasize it for patients. And I ended up literally stressing myself out to the point where I could not function anymore and had to rebuild my health from there. And I I have a lot of tools and I freaking knew better. And I still pushed myself because I didn't believe in breaks. Lazy people take breaks. That was my mentality back then. And I just, if I can, you know, leave anybody with anything, get to know yourself really well. Know when you start to get overwhelmed and start to put in some help along your way during the day to, to get you so that you don't become overwhelmed and that you can breeze through your day and that you're feeling comfortable in your skin. And I think if I can impart anything, it's, it's take breaks really slow down and start to smell, smell the roses a little and don't push yourself so hard because unfortunately this is what I see over and over again in my patients and I did it to myself too. So take care of yourself, have some awareness of what's pushing you over the limits and eat good food. That's what I can say. (laughs) I think that's great advice. So how can listeners find out more about you, um, your clinic, either on social media or online? Yeah. So you can find me at doctor spelled out J Krause care, A U S E N D.com. That's my main website. You've got links to my podcast. My podcast is called the health fix. And then you can find me on Spotify and iTunes for, for the podcast. And then if you want to get to know me a little bit better in terms of personality and things of that nature, head over to Instagram. You get my stories, you get my reels, you see what's happening in my office. You see what's happening in um, my life at any given given time. And that's Dr. Dr. Janine, J-A-N-N-I-N-E, Krause, K-R-A-U-S-E. And if you want to know more about how I help folks tackle stress, I have a free course. It's Manage Stress Naturally. You can get a hold of a link uh, of that if you go over to my website at drjkrausend.com. That sounds great. I will check out that course myself. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Dr. Krause. This has been a great conversation and I'm sure people will want to check out the podcast as well and, and your website. And I just, I appreciate your time so much today. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. I wrote a book. I'd love for you to check it out. Pendulum by S.E. German is available now. Pendulum is a heartwarming story that follows a young boy who experiences mental health challenges like anxiety, OCD and depression, ADHD and tics following an infection. 
It turns out he has a little known disorder called pandas. The book follows the young boy as he struggles with his health issues as well as regular middle grade issues and it can act as a wonderful catalyst between you and your children to talk about mental health issues and other things that are going on in their life. Pendulum is available online through Amazon Worldwide, Barnes & Noble, the Friesen Press Bookstore, and a number of other online retailers worldwide. And you can check out Chapter 1, the audio version of Pendulum for free on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast in Episode 64. I hope you enjoy Pendulum by S.E. German and let me know what you think. Thank you so much to Dr. Janine Krauss for all of her time and knowledge this week, giving us such a great overview on her work as a naturopath and her specific work in acupuncture as well. I loved some of her tips, particularly about eating closest to nature. That's something I am always striving towards and I really liked some of her ideas there. As well as taking breaks, I think I really need to spend more time honestly staring at a wall. When she mentioned that, I thought, yeah, that probably needs to be something that I do is really build in those breaks. I find Personally, I'll think I'm taking a break and then I'll realize I'm even multitasking in my break. Like I'll take a bath and then I'll think, well, I'll read my book in there or I'll try and do a meditation and I'll, you know, all of these things. And so I think maybe getting as simple as staring at a wall makes a lot of sense to me. And I loved all of her advice about hormones and um, definitely uh, appreciated as well the, the background on acupuncture. I hope you will check out all of her offerings, including her free course on managing stress, which is on my list now of to-dos. So if you want to find out more about Dr. Janine Krauss, as she mentioned, you can visit her website, which is www.drjkrausnd.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Dr. So Dr. Janine, J-A-N-N-I-N-E, Kraus, K-R-A-U-S-E. And hopefully you will enjoy all of the things that she has to offer as well as her podcast, The Health Fix, which I have listened to and really enjoy as well. So again, thanks for joining me this week and thanks to Dr. Kraus. And of course, have a great week. I'm excited to announce the launch of my author website, www.se-german.com. On this website, you can find out all the information about my publications, focused areas on my novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, where there are questions for parents as you work through the novel with your children, as well as teacher resources that can be used in the classroom. There's also information about the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast and recent press. Please visit www.se-german.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com, or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S A R A L A D Y G L U T E N, or the Facebook page, Sarah Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week. Mm-hmm.